0: Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And
1: now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the High Income Business Writing Podcast, the number one podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to earn more and less time doing work they love for better clients with well over 1 million downloads from listeners just like you across 101 countries. Mr. Gordon Graham, it's a pleasure to talk to you again, my friend. That's for
0: sure. It's been a long time, and here we are. I think that I went back in your podcast. I think I was your first or second guest in your podcast when you started, you know? You
1: know what? You were. You were the first guest, and uh, it was... I, I was my own first guest, episode okay. one, <laughs> okay. and then you were episodes two and three, if I recall. Wow, we had that so much story. to talk about. We had to break it up to, into two episodes. So yeah. let's see where we go with this one. Here we are, episode three hundred and something, and you know we're still talking.
0: I really fantastic, it. Ed. Well, I, I think our I think our topic for today is AI, and that it's a it's a huge topic.
1: It is a huge topic. I suspect you and I are going to be talking about this um, a few times over over the next year or two, if if you're open to it. But, um, you know, this thing is evolving so quickly, right? Um, Yeah. Let's let's first talk about where we are right now because I want to timestamp this thing because it's evolving so quickly. We're recording right now in June 2023. And I'm curious, um, as copywriters, as writers where are things where do things stand right now in this rapidly developing journey
0: well i think that we're in uh, was it you that said the messy middle you know yes. <laughs> i i think i think we're in the very early days of seeing what ai could do but in terms of churn and confusion and fear and loathing we're deep into it and uh you know i kind of i kind of segment writers into three groups you know there's the enthusiast who's already jumped in and is already using ai for almost every project there's the resistor who says i hate this stuff i don't care about it it's going to destroy the profession and i'm never going to use it and then there's the people that are somewhere in the middle the pragmatists who use it sometimes who are who are trying it out testing it out uh, people may think I'm an enthusiast because I, I'm, ri- I'm writing about it in my n- newsletter all the time, but I am a pragmatist, you know, and I think that's uh, a reasonable place for writers to be. Um, we don't want to be on the bleeding edge and we don't want to be um, the, the late adopters that get steamrolled by uh, by missing out on something. Being in the middle, middle mainstream is a good place for writers to be because We're not computer scientists and we don't have IT departments, you know, to to back us up. Most of us are are sole practitioners and we have to see the benefit of using this stuff like immediately. And so I'm not spending all day long trying out new products, uh, new AI services, signing up for everything. But I have to tell you, Ed, I listen to five podcasts about AI every week and every single one of them starts every single episode, and they have since January, saying this. Wow, I can't believe how much happened in the AI world. How are we going to cover it all? There's so much to cover. There's so many announcements. There's so many new products. There are billions of dollars pouring into this. There big tech companies are in a life and death struggle with one another. Um, Everybody is trying to one-up everybody else. There's a, a zillion startups that are that are using the large language models to, to do some particular twist on them. And it is impossible to keep up and impossible to understand everything that's going on. So I just try to kind of keep it to an overview and I think uh, stay pragmatic about it.
1: I think that's very sensible. And and this is why I want this discussion to remain about fundamentals and practical uh, ideas uh, and suggestions because we can't possibly be on the bleeding edge and talk about the latest, greatest, because by the time this publishes, that's going to be old news. In fact, I, I think I saw um, last month in May 2023 alone, there were t- over 2,500 new apps based on AI, AI-based yeah. apps <laughs> that just launched in one month. Uh, and was, I would think it was like 1,500 plus the month before. So it's it's insane. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the white paper you wrote using chat GPT, because I found that fascinating and I think it was a brilliant idea. So walk us through your motivation for doing that, uh, how the process went and then what your thoughts were after, once you finished the
0: piece. Sure. Sure. Well, I, um, I had asked chat GPT in like January if it could write a white paper it said no other people had asked it it said no i saw a few uh, blog articles where people were saying well uh, you know or twitter things where people were saying well you know clearly uh, ai can't write white papers and then uh, every couple of weeks i would ask it one week it said yes i can write a white paper of 3,500 words i was like wow did it learn something or or what so um I thought, well, okay, uh, I'll, I'll give this a try. And because uh, I've worked on over 300 white papers for, you know, clients. So I, I, and I wrote white papers for dummies. So I feel like I know the format inside and out. And uh, I, I thought, let's see how Chat GPT really does here. And so I asked it, this was a test from the very start. I asked it, can you give me a list of reasons why people should not use chat GPT to write a white paper. And, you know, I thought it might say, oh, I'm not going to answer that. Oh, I, you know, and it just goes zip, 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 zip. Here's nine reasons. And they were all like pretty solid reasons. This is the, this is one area where, um, uh, chat GPT and other AIs are fantastic at brainstorming, right. At coming up with ideas, like in, in a minute, it had the, the outline for my numbered list. And uh, I called it Nine Reasons Why ChatGPT Can't Write Your Next White Paper. And then I went on this odyssey of uh, prompting. I had never prompted it for something this long, and it couldn't write all those words in one go. It had to write them in little chunks of four, five, six hundred 600 words. So it, I got it to write a, an introduction, uh, and then each of the nine pieces and reasons, and then a conclusion. And then I wrote an afterward based on the experience. So it wrote uh, thirty-two hundred and fifty words, and I didn't edit it. I just kind of um, chopped out a hundred words of very uh, repetitive stuff. You know what? It, what I chopped out? It was like I call it the the uh, consumer uh, warning. You know, at the end of every uh, chunk, it would say. But of course, anything written by ChatGPT must be carefully fact-checked by a human and there is still room for humans. Uh, There will always be room for human writers. Like it just said the same, uh, like 50, 75 words, almost every uh, piece of output. Um, So we've got speed, we've got ideas, speed. It it just spit out this stuff really, really, really uh, fast. Um, As far as quality, I would say, it's, Yeah, I remember you were talking about this with one of your guests. How do you, what, what level copy would you say this is? I, I think it's first drafts are C minus, C minus. It's not the worst I've ever seen uh, submitted by a professional writer, but it's far from publishable. You know, um, I've been an editor, I've been a newspaper editor, newsletter editor, a book editor, and um it, What it comes out with for its first draft, and this is version 3.5 a couple months ago, it was not publishable, right? It would definitely need an editor, definitely need uh, um, some work. So I started re-prompting it. I started saying, okay, take take what you gave me and please make it more uh, sparkling. Please make it more uh, readable. Please put in some imagery. Please put in a figure of speech. And I found it was really, really weak at that. You know, really, really, really poor. Uh, it had has this clunky wooden style, and it. I think I ended up doing 150 prompts, right? 150 prompts. Wow, for days. the whole piece. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that. Uh, so some of that may probably maybe one third of that is because I wasn't. I was learning how to prompt as well, but uh, um, I did ten drafts. I pushed it to rewrite each of those sections ten times. And you can see it for yourself and judge the quality of the writing. But I'd say it's not B yet. I'd, stay, I'd say maybe it's B minus, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I eventually asked it to rewrite it uh, to hit a certain readability level. Um, I usually shoot for 50, you know, on the reading ease out of 100. And uh, it, to- it said, sure, here it is. This is 50. You know, when I, when I compared, when I retested uh, its chunks, that it said was 50 with, you know, Microsoft word or, or a readability checker from the web. It said it was 36. So this gets into the reliability, you know, it's very
1: confident, isn't it? It, Oh, oh, sure. Here you go. And and it doesn't show any sort of doubt. Uh, It just, it just tells you what you want to hear with great confidence and you believe it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it really is true. You really do have to check it, everything. Um, and it's its readability analysis was not accurate. And uh, the worst thing about it was uh, the research. So I was just using chat GPT and uh, asking it for sources. And then I was pushing it for footnotes and it came up with footnotes, beautifully formatted footnotes, uh, uh, wonderful on point uh, little quotes and sources and um i thought i just about fell off my chair i thought this is amazing even though it's taking me all these prompts like as if i get better at prompting i'll just be able to sit there and talk and the machine will write a white paper with sources like with footnotes and the research stage of a of a white paper i'm finding is the is the hardest longest stage these days uh, because there's so much stuff on the web right there's so much direct on the web you have to you have to sift through Um, but let me tell you, it gave me 18 sources with footnotes. Then I said, oh, I'm going to check these. (laughs) Uh, I, 16 of them were completely bogus. And the other two, I couldn't confirm, even though it's possible they were there because they were talking, one was talking about a survey from a company that had been bought by another company. So their website had changed. So maybe they took down the survey from from a couple of years ago. Um, another one was similar like that, kind of murky. I couldn't find the original source, but I couldn't say it was bogus. The other 16 completely made up. So it made them up so skillfully. It made them up like it, it would take an author like Gary Marcus, who is a, a computer scientist who's written books and has a, has a, a blog, where he talks about the limitations of AI and uh, these large language models uh, in particular is what he's really down on. So it had a book by Gary Marcus, a fantastic quote by Gary Marcus, a page number where that quote came from. Okay, turned out the book did not exist. Gary Marcus exists. And it sounded like something he would say, but I couldn't find that anywhere where he had said that. And then when I would do the next draft, um, I would say, okay, uh, um, let's, uh, let's drill down on that Gary Marcus thing, find out where it actually came from. It would come back with perhaps a different book name, perhaps the same book name with a different page number, but the same quote, perhaps a different quote, um, but the same page number and the same book, <laughs> right? So it started to look pretty fishy. And then, and then the funny thing, I don't know if you've seen this, Ed, but the funny thing it'll say, I'll say, why are you just making this stuff up? And it will say, sorry for the confusion. <laughs> I like, oh, haven't seen that. Know, this is not, this is not confusion. This is you just making crap up, you know, and it would always <laughs> say that it's programmed to say that sorry for the confusion. Uh, here is a more accurate footnote. And then it would be the same old crap. So I ended up, um, uh, Bing, the new Bing had come out with, uh, uh, chat GPT built into it. so I ended up re-researching uh, the sources with the new Bing and that was very good and right on and things that I could confirm and footnotes and page numbers. So the new Bing, you know is has real-time access to the web and is good. and chat GPT has that now through plugins and uh, that that promises to take away that problem. but I would still never submit anything, straight out of chat GPT without checking it and uh, without really rewriting it. I wouldn't hand a white paper like this to a client, you know, with that style. One of the other things I noticed, uh, Ed, was all of the nine pieces started the same. Large language models may be great at doing this, but they're not so great at doing that. And then it would be, the point might be uh, unreliable research. And then it would have a quote And then it would have a bit more discussion. And then it would say, unlike human readers who can go on the web live and fact check all of their sources and even phone up people and get live quotes. But the thing is, all nine points in the numbered list followed exactly that same structure. So yeah, same cadence, same
1: rhythm, same everything, right? It just changing the words.
0: Yep. But and it has not,
1: a well I mean it's it's a language model I mean it's it's designed to provide information in a certain way that's part of it, right
0: yeah, yeah and when I would say to it, okay, mix up this mix up this section a bit don't change the structure don't move the lead uh, don't make this like all the others change it around no matter how I said it. it couldn't do it. And so I found it. What's really frustrating? Sometimes I would say, "Okay, you got a good quote. You got a good quote. Don't touch the quote, but change the structure." It would rewrite the quote. <clears throat> you know <laughs> exactly what I asked it not to. So, <clears throat> really, um, somewhat exhilarating, somewhat exasperating. Is so is
1: you're you're is. finding that now with the new Bing uh, Bing Chat. You're able to get much more accurate and reliable research then, and you. I'm assuming you fact checked all of it, and those did check yeah. out. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, and that that's always been um that's always been the the idea. This is you know the first public iteration, and we know it's only going to get better from here. So that leads me to then um with this experience in mind, everything you're absorbing. And processing yourself. Let's talk about the pros and the cons here um, in terms of your predictions for the future. Let's start with uh, the, the the dangers, and then I'd like to discuss a little bit of the the positive things that may come out of this. And again, in the in the context of writers, copywriters, marketers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm drinking such healthy uh, coffee. It has cashew milk and big chunks of cashews in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, mine is uh, mine is not chunky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know Moore's law for microprocessors was uh, the yes. idea that roughly every um, was it year or two year years, eighteen year and a half, months, and a half yeah. the number of of uh, transistors on a chip would double there's a similar thing at work in the world of ai and it's it's pretty shocking uh, sit down every year the power of ai is going up 10x and i think we can see that mid 2022 chat gpt 3 it was a bit of a it was a bit of a of a joke i've heard people talk about it and they're like they couldn't get anything out of it one year later we're up to chat gpt 4 the n- new bing plugins other models like claude um thousands of new products you can use this you can start a business based on ai and and run it a writing business all all through ai i think these days so that's that's pretty frightening to think like another year from now chat gpt 5 6 is going to be 10 times as good if it gets 10 times as good It may never be a level copy, but it might be B plus level copy.
1: Well, I want to pause real quick because I I don't, what you said there is so important that we need to really underscore that because the human mind is not designed to understand compounded growth. Um, So we need to put it in perspective. So what you're saying is in a year, if it's going to be 10 X better and it's 10 X better because it. It uses the power that it has today to improve itself. So therefore, now it's so much, it's exponentially better. And now that it's better, it's using its new uh, improvements to create even more compounding improvement. Within three years, you don't have thirty x. The compounded improvement is much higher than that because it's building on itself, right? I think that's where the that's that's what we all need to understand. And that's yeah. just three years. Let's take ten years. Yeah. That w- I mean, where are we going to be in ten years? So anyway, I just wanted to kind of insert that because this is not linear growth we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Uh, thanks for saying that, Ed. It's it's almost impossible to imagine. But in terms of, in terms of the the research that's going on, when you have billions of dollars pouring into a, a certain sector, and you have thousands of the smartest people in the world working on it, and uh, there's a gold rush on. They're coming up with ways to uh, train models on much smaller uh, sets of data to um, have it self-train much more intelligently. There's tons of open source. Facebook is being incredible. All of Facebook's AI is open source. Open source is is one of the leading um, factors in the AI uh, race right now. This is not just we're going to find more data to train it with, and it's going to get smarter. This is like the entire world of technology is focused on making this better. And that's why every week you hear something like, well, there's just a new research paper out about uh, how you can train a new model on like one 10th, the uh, data, you know, and um, it's, you have a good image for this. You know, uh, I like the ladder and I like the flood. I think it's a flood. And mm-hmm. How do you, what do you do when there's a flood? You know what I've heard? I've never seen a flash flood, but I've heard in a flash flood, it's like you see the water running down the street and it's like a two or three inches high. And you say, oh, that's nothing. I'm going to get wet feet. I'll just keep walking along. What you're supposed to do, that's the warning. You're supposed to run in the opposite direction as fast as you can run and drop your groceries and run. Because when it's one minute, it's three inches high. Another couple of minutes, it's going to be two feet high and it's going to be sweeping you off your feet. And after that, it's going to be over your head. And I think that's what we're, unfortunately, I believe that that's where we're headed. All the signs show me that that's where we're headed, a a flood. So what do you do during a flood? You run to higher ground. You've said that. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the low-lying commodity providers are going to be flooded all of the content mills, all of the people. I, I saw a fellow over in Eastern Europe. I, I just was looking on Fiverr and he was like, I will write your white paper in less than 24 hours for $19.95 US. $19.95. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of white paper are you going to get for that? You know, and that yeah. was before, that was before AI. That was before AI. So he could do it now with AI. What kind of work are you going to get? All those people, I think, are going to be flooded because AI is already even cheaper than them. AI is $20 a month for as much as you can crank out. So who would even pay somebody $5, $10, $20 for one piece? Um, ChatGPT is already better than those commodity writers. So I think they're flooded. They're the first level that's going to be flooded. And I think that you've talked about that on your yeah uh,
1: they they can't leave their house so they it's not that they don't want to leave is they can't leave their house so yeah. right the flood's gonna take them immediately
0: yeah yeah what's another level well how about agencies content agencies right they're not mills they're agencies a lot of these agencies um, were former advertising agencies. And the bottom fell out of the advertising business, as we know, when the when the web came on, everything went digital, online. There was a whole new agencies that came along and uh, doing um, digital advertising and SEO and all that optimizing, all that kind of stuff, content marketing. Um, any Most agencies, though, their business model is charging by the hour. You cannot charge by the hour anymore. That's over. Because if you say... Well, we'll write you this blog post for uh, fifty dollars an hour. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty modest, right? Oh, and it's going to take us five hours. That's two hundred fifty dollars. And we're going to do four of them for you a month. That's a thousand dollars a month for your keep your blog going at a minimal level. And somebody's looking at ChatGPT, and they say, "Well, your stuff is good, but it's not." 500 times as good as chat gpt it's not a thousand times as good as chat gpt mm-hmm. i know what you're doing mr agency guy is you're going to use chat gpt to get you ideas and to maybe do a draft and maybe revise your draft and maybe optimize it for seo you're going to be using this stuff in the background and charging me how much it would have cost you in the old days in when the clock was ticking you're not getting away with that anymore I'll, I'll pay you 50 bucks a blog post. This is, this is my prediction that the fees for individual pieces are going to go. Hourly billing is going to go away. All those agencies that can't adapt are going to go away and they're going to have to go to value-based pricing and the, and the value is going to be lower Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because the effort to produce that value is, is much reduced by AI. So, do you think I'm on to something there? Or do you think I'm I think you TV are, or?
1: especially so if we're going to stay with that metaphor, now we're at higher ground. We're no longer in the Valley. We're uh, at the base of the mountain, but I think agencies are different tiers, right? We're talking agencies that are cranking out very basic business to consumer content. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are definitely not going to be safe. What about agencies content studios in the B2B market that are uh, really putting out and writing content leadership or thought leadership, higher end, more sophisticated nuanced content? Uh, I have to believe that they're you know certainly higher up the mountain in terms of safety?
0: I think that's where everybody has got to go, but there's not enough room for everybody on that mountain top. And you know what I think they got to do is build a giant fricking tower on top of the mountain top and climb up that tower as high as they can climb too. <laughs> it's a, it's a market, right? So the low end of the market is gone. The mid range of the market fees will fall and the top end of the market, the best clients with the biggest budgets who, who are using AI wisely, you know, and, and, uh, Probably have laid off some of their marketing staff, you know. Really, um, but we'll still need we'll still need outside providers. They will be the creme de la creme, and every single person. It'll be like one of those zombie movies. Remember, remember the World War Z, and the oh, wall yeah. in Jerusalem, the wall in Jerusalem, and the zombies crawling up over the wall. I don't want to see this. I don't want this to happen. But it could be that there's there's hundreds of of suppliers trying to get one one spot on that tower on the top of the mountain and the problem is this is not a biblical flood this is not a flash flood this is not something where it rains for 40 days and 40 nights and uh, a, a few people get in the ark well maybe it is like that maybe it is like that but i don't think the rain is going to stop this is not something that just suddenly you know the rain will stop and the ark will land and everybody will get out and it'll be fine. What would stop this from what would stop AI from continuing to roll on? You know,
1: well, like, maybe now we're living in a water world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some people have these. We, cool we have to, that, yeah, we have to continue this metaphor. So, okay. I mean, so like,
0: it's, wa- it's water world, you know, it's water and, world. And, and, and the, now
1: we're living on boats. Um, but, you know, most people.
0: I'm glad you said that. That's great. That gives me some hope, Ed. That gives me some hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's okay, yeah,
1: let's cool. let's work with this a little bit, right? Um, I think some people are gonna be just they're not gonna survive, right? So those people are moving up the mountain. Um yeah. others are gonna give up on the way there. And we're talking the majority of people either are not gonna survive or give up on the way there. And I'm saying the majority, I don't want to scare anybody, but we have to all remember that the majority of writers out there aren't competing directly with listeners of this podcast right okay so i want to provide a little bit of perspective here i don't want people to freak out completely um so this wasn't really a direct issue for you anyway but if you're already kind of halfway up the mountain and you're seeing this you know people running up the hill um what would keep you what would keep you employed what would keep you viable You know, what, what things can you work on when your craft is no longer the differentiator? And I've always argued, don't rely on your writing chops alone, because everyone's saying the same thing. But when that's no longer the thing, because you have a computer that can crank out something similar, maybe not now, but, you know, within one to three years, what other competitive differentiators do you have that were still going to be viable?
0: You know what, this is, I'm really glad you steered us in this direction because I was getting kind of down there and I'm a, (laughs) I'm a happy go lucky, positive minded person. I hate thinking about, I I hate worrying about the future. So here's, here's what, here's how I dealt with this personally. I'm in my sixties. I could retire, you know, um, I'm not a, I'm not a millionaire, but I, I could retire and be fine if I never made another penny from my writing. So, um, when I heard about all this AI stuff, I, I really thought to myself, well, this is probably going to really change our industry. Should I bother learning about all this stuff and dealing with all this? I, I've been a writer. I've written for publication for 50 years, 51 years, actually. When I was 17, I was the editor of my college newspaper you know, and writing newspaper stories. So I've developed my craft over 50 plus years. Am I, is that all just going to go away and not be meaningless because software has come along and done this? Do I even want to deal with this or do I just want to hang it up and and quit? And I said, I thought about that for a while. And then I said, you know, I want to see what this new stuff is all about. And I want to see if I can understand it. I come out of technology. If anybody can understand this, I come out of the software business. Maybe I can understand it and help translate it for my peers, my colleagues, you know, my writing buddies and friends. And maybe I can do something to help uh, the writing community, you know, deal with this. And for me personally, I've never I've never told anybody this, and I guess it's a dumb thing to announce on, the, on your podcast, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I am an expert in one particular format, white papers. A lot of people, a lot of marketing people, are wondering: Can I just use AI and just press a couple of buttons and give a couple of prompts and get a decent white paper out? W- white papers are still popular; they're they're not going away. The latest figures I saw showed that uh, you know marketers love white papers more than any other type of format. And uh, what I'm going to do is is launch a new service. You know how. You know how there's the idea of, of uh do it yourself and done for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's some space in the middle there, done with you. Oh and yeah. And I'm going to launch a done with you service for marketing people that want uh, to use AI to write white papers. And I'm going to bring my my deep knowledge of that format to the table to help them learn how to prompt and learn how to polish. And if they need to hire me to polish uh, their white paper so that in a very short time for a less than they would have paid in the old days, they'll get a respectable white paper out. So I'm going to offer a strategic combination uh, human writing skill plus AI service. And mm-hmm. that'll be starting summer or fall, you know. So um, I think that that's what people have to do is operate on a strategic a really strategic level and here's something that we were going to talk about that I, that I think is important talk about AI with your clients. Don't let it be the elephant in the room you know I have I have decided I I deliberately talk about AI with my clients and those have been fascinating conversations when I, I I land a white paper I just I, I'm working on a white paper right now and I said to my client um, well, you know, I've been, I've been toying around with AI and I'd like to use it to help me be more productive on this project. Nice way to position. Who's going to say, no, I don't want you to be productive on my project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my client says, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, my manager is coming by every single day. He's walking around the entire company saying, are you using AI? Uh, why don't you get use AI for that? Hey, how are you using AI today? Hey, did you discover anything about AI? Our manager is walking around urging us all to use AI all the time. And I'm doing it. And how do you like it? Well, what do you find it works well at? Oh, you know what? I I had to do this thing. I had to go on the Zoom and and I didn't know the person and and I just asked the AI to tell me about the person and tell me about their area and I got like this incredible briefing in one minute that would have taken me fifteen minutes to get from Wikipedia or LinkedIn, you know. And so I've had these exciting conversations with my clients because nobody has this figured out. Everybody is is confused, and a lot of writers are. Afraid of bringing it up. Oh my goodness! I can't talk about AI with my my clients. Going to think I'm just going to press a button and then hand in what I've got. So I've I've got a policy, a, a deliberate policy that I came up with, which is you know I I at the very start I I talk honestly with my uh, prospects about AI. I'll probably use AI for brainstorming. I might use AI if if you give me a seventy five page report. I might get it to uh, sum it up for me or ask it, what are the, are there any uh, great sound bites in here? Um, I might even get it to, to draft a section, but I will never, I promise to you, I will never just give you what AI gives me. I will always rewrite it and revise it and polish it and humanize it and make it my best possible work. So I'm gonna use AI to speed up my um, uh, production on your project, but I'm not going to just hand you something out of AI. What, what client would mind hearing that? I love that. Well, like the only thing if playing devil's advocate here, Gordon,
1: um, maybe not the right kind of client, not the client that you would want, but is there a possibility that a client might say, we're fine with that, but you need to lower your fee because we know it's going to take you less time.
0: You know what? Fine. They're right. They're right. If I'm, if a Nora white paper takes me two weeks and using AI brings it down to one week, why should all that benefit flow to me? And why should I be in that, in that precarious situation with a client who can say, you know what, that damn guy, you know, uh, charges the same fee. And then he told us he was going to use AI. Clients aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm prepared for fees to fall. Fees, I think, uh, for writing are going to fall. How could they not? If if we gain this fantastic production uh, tool that can make us 50% more productive, how can we justify keeping the same fees? I mean, we could we could drop our fees by 25% without blinking, and we're still ahead of the game. We can drop them 35%, and we're still ahead of the game if we're gaining 50%. On that white paper I did, that first one, and I'm I'm in the middle of some other experiments too, it saved me about one-third of the time to do that. Even though
1: you were learning as you went in terms of prompting? Even with
0: all those screw-ups, even re-researching, I figured that white paper would have taken me two weeks to research and do the old way, and it took me three days, you know? Interesting. um, and so uh, maybe that's more than a third, but I mean that was spaced out over, you know, over time and everything. So, well, no, uh, not not to
1: I, not to go down a rabbit hole here, but mm-hmm. uh, to be fair, we were talking about number one, a number list, yep. uh, white yep. paper, which would be one of the, you've said this. It's one of the easiest, the easiest. Yep. or yep. maybe the easiest to write. Yep. Number yep. two, it was a uh, a kind of a mainstream topic you yep. know it wasn't an esoteric topic that you know chat gpt would be lost in
0: no interviews um, no interviews no
1: interviews um so i'm wondering uh how much how much productivity gains you would get you know in a, in a in a much more nuanced esoteric topic at least today
0: yeah i i think at 25 to 35% you know interesting i can i can see it at the initial stage, really, really powerful to come up with a with a, a framework or some ideas or a, a titles, right? Good titles, and it, mm-hmm. you know the thing is, it's like a working with it is like it's like working with a a an, a really keen intern or a writing buddy who never gets frustrated, is always happy, is always confident you, you shred its work and say like, uh, go back to the drawing board and redo this. Sure. I'd be happy to redo that just the way you want. You know Um, it's happy in its work. And so you can go in day or night and ask it to do anything. And we're just scratching the surface. I'm just scratching the surface of of what it's capable of doing and, and what it will be in the next few, few weeks. So I'm expecting fees to go down value to go up. Mm-hmm. and everybody to be happy like time to time to deliver to go down too so with a with a, an excellent client and an excellent writer and wise use of ai those people will still be in business i yeah.
1: think yeah well so here here's a along those lines i have another question for you um this room, I, I think it's helpful to think of other situations where something like this has happened, meaning a yes. a yes. serious disruption Yeah, because yeah. we need to put it in context. Otherwise, it feels like the sky is falling and we're all doomed. Okay. Which, you know, I think we need to be cautious, but there's still some positives. This in a way, and, and specifically when I say this, I'm talking about prompt engineering, because if you're talking about a done-for-you service, You're talking about you being the conduit between the technology and the client. You're there Mm -hmm. to train them, but also to show them how to coax the right information from the tool. Okay. We're at a stage right now. This reminds me a lot of 1993 with the early days of the internet before browsers. I remember driving Uh to Barnes and Noble to buy a dummy's book about HTML code, because at the time that was the only way you could really get on the internet, you know, and I want to say it was 93, but may have been 94. Still. The point is there was a moment in time when some geeks went out there and figured out how to use the internet. Right. And they were the ones that people went to, Oh, that's so cool. Hey, could you look this up for me? Mm -hmm. You know, and they were the conduit. Um, 94 or so, suddenly we had browsers, we had the World Wide Web, and now everybody could use this. Now, it was still early days, like, well, where do you go? There was no Google at the time. There were some search engines. But it was this whole world of possibilities. You could waste a lot of time. And that's what we were all doing. We're wasting time. So back to where we are today, it seems that we have a window right now. That's ideal for what you just described. We have clients who don't have the time, the energy, or the knowledge to know how to use these tools appropriately. And then we, if we're smart, we're going to learn how to do that, not only so we could use it for our own good when working in client projects, but to offer a done-for-you service and be that conduit and teach them to fish. Um, Do you see that window evaporating or closing. And what I mean is, will there come a time very soon where the, you won't really need great prompt engineers because the technology will be so good that just like the, with the World Wide web, anyone can Google, anyone can find a website, anyone can find the research. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad. Uh, I- I'm I'm loving this conversation, uh, Ed, because you're giving me all kinds of uh, hope and new ideas and stuff. And I think that's a very apt metaphor for the uh, the uh, early days of the uh, web. I I was not interested. People would be showing me, like I was working in a software company and uh, uh, writing manuals. And and the, the geek would be calling me over. Look at this. Look at this thing. And it would be this horrible mess on the screen, right? And like uh, you, you can find all these books. And I'd like. I'll just go. I'll just go to my bookshelf, or I'll go to a bookstore, or I'll go to a library. I'm not looking at that. And then you see the book, and it's unreadable on the screen, right? It was just—it yeah. was kind of a joke. And this is, um, uh, I guess, to update that uh, to today. Um, the my problem with the writing market, and and I'll start at the most basic level. Everybody thinks they can write everybody can type on their computer and now everybody can say a type of prompt into uh chat gpt and get something out that's okay you know it's a basic write-up about anything that they can get you know um so who are the best prompters who are the best people to use ai to accomplish anything those are gonna be the people that are a, a cut above in their in their background knowledge of some field, right? So I could go and try and get Chat GPT to write me some software code. I couldn't tell which end of it is up. I couldn't tell if it was any good or not. A really good programmer can get it to write code and tell, oh, that's pretty good, but find the little flaws in it and make it better. Same with a writer. A writer that knows uh, what, what makes really good content, will be able to prompt and evaluate what's coming out of the AI and say like, uh, it's okay, but it could be better. Can you make it like this? Can you do that? Can you bring in this? Can you, you know, push it to make it do better? And I think that's the value of a seasoned, uh, going to be a seasoned practitioner in any field, you know, is they will get the most out of these tools. And that's not going to change over time. I mean, like, so say you have a million case studies fed into an AI and it'll write you a case study. Well, who is going to evaluate whether that case study makes any sense or not when it Mm -hmm. comes out? Somebody who knows case studies. So it will be the marketing person who works as an editor or it will be a writer who takes that and, and can say, well, it would be good, but we really need this. We really need that, you know, and we could make a pun on the name of the company, you know, and add that, add that, that last 20% that makes all the difference.
1: All the difference. difference. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That turns something from being flat and pedestrian to being something, you know, crisp and clear and sparkling. So that's, that's craft, but it's an element of craft. It's, it's, background knowledge of your format that you're writing and or
1: background it's... knowledge of the market and the audience that you're yes. writing to.
0: Yes. Yes. Right. If, if yes. you spent
1: 12 years in the construction industry and in, yeah, I don't know, wherever, and now you're helping a construction software company, write This white paper, there are nuances in that, in that paper that you can have that will make all the difference because yep. the reader, the one of the thing, you know, it's a sniff test, right? They, they can smell it a mile away. This was written by someone who doesn't know what they're facing day to day. But if you add little yep. bits and pieces that shows them, I get you. I know exactly what you're thinking right now, what you're dealing with and what's keeping you up at night.
0: Ah, you have that to live so- that. That is so right on, that is so right on. And I I wonder if the uh, AI systems will ever have that. You know, They may actually never have that. So um, am I worried about the future of things like case studies and white papers? No, case studies I think are really, really as AI proof as you can get because look what you have to do for a case study. You have to have a person to person interview. Mm-hmm. Sometimes clients want to to just send the questions into their customer and have them send back emails. Those are never as good as when you get in a conversation, just like we're having now. Because you discover new things, you get great sound bites, you get really uh, much better details. So a person-to-person interview that AI can't do. Then you have to uh, tell a story, an interesting story with a challenge that's overcome, a before and after, you know, uh, a hero's journey can AI do that? I don't know. I wouldn't trust it these days. That's for sure to do. It's not
1: going to sing for sure. It's going to yeah. be very mechanic. Yep. Yeah. And- I, I I think that's, those are okay. So a few things, this gives me hope too. I think it's the um, knowing there's an art to prompting. I hate that it's called prompt engineering because that implies left brain uh, activity yeah. when it's really a right brain activity, right? I think we yeah. writers, and I know you've written about this, we're much better positioned uh, to be, become better prompt engineers than tip- your typical engineer, so to speak, or somebody like at your client's office who just doesn't have the time. That's the other thing to keep in mind. Will clients really invest the time and the energy necessary to use these tools, you know, th- to the way that? to a point where they can, they don't need us. I, I doubt that very much. Um, I I think you're going to see it again in the low lying areas, but as you go up the mountain, I think that's going to be harder to find. I mean, you're already dealing with marketing directors who are going from one meeting to the next, to the next, to the next, they don't even have time to process. Their amygdala is like on full alert. Their creative power is gone So they need us, number one. Number two, I think you're, I love that idea of the last 20%. You know, that's really where it matters. And I'll even throw this out there. In a world where more and more content will be AI generated, it's really the human content that's going to truly stand out. So in a way, that's another way we could look at it, right? It's, okay, bring it on. Bring it on because my stuff is going to stand out so Mm -hmm. much more.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Yep. Yep. And um, in terms of white papers, they've been around for well over 100 years. And I, I can't see any end of them because what does a good white paper do? It helps a business person to understand an issue that they want to understand, to solve some kind of problem, nagging problem in their business or to make a decision about which way to go with something. As long as there are businesses, as long as there is business people, they're going to want to do those things. And they're going to want need information from outside the company to be able to do that. So that's what I call a white paper. Some kind of um, amalgamation of information, carefully assembled information that makes a persuasive point about some issue or some problem or some decision and whether they will be on paper, like printed as PDFs uh, and read on the screen, or whether they will be some kind of microsite or whether they'll be uh, delivered in some format that hasn't been invented yet. Like I think that business people will need that kind of information. They're not going to get it from TikTok. They're not going to get it from Pinterest. You know, when, when a company has a big, decision to make, they want facts and numbers and cost benefits and, and solid analysis. And they argue about it. They discuss about it. This is what I was, I was really fortunate um, to work in B2B, you know, and to, and to work in companies where we had to make these kind of decisions. I remember um, when desktop publishing came out, I had to, I had to spec out a system. Um, a desktop publishing system. For a newspaper, I had to spec out a a typesetting system. And you better believe when you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, you don't just watch a couple of videos, you know, or read something that AI gave you and make a decision. You go to meetings and meetings and you get grilled. And people say, what about this? What about that? You've got a bean counter in the room you know and you've got the often you've got the hr person who is saying well what about my people what about the training how how hard is this thing going to be to use and you've got the the uh coo who's saying well how are we going to roll this thing into our process what are we going to have to throw out how long is this going to take you got the ceo who's who's the, you know the one where the buck stops at his desk and he doesn't want to make a a blunder that looks terrible on him so i think that's part of the going up the mountain thing um the The better clients are going to be the ones that are selling the most expensive things because for their their clients to buy those expensive things, they need to provide a lot of information that has to be assembled by writers. So don't don't look. I used to say a white paper, you know, if you're selling something less than fifty thousand, you know, you probably can't justify a white paper. Now I'm thinking, Maybe it's like going to be if you're selling something for less than half a million, you can't justify hiring a writer to do a white paper. There's still a lot of companies out there selling expensive systems. Maybe it'll be if you're selling something less than two million, you can't justify hiring a writer. So look for the companies that are selling really expensive things. And uh, that's another way to find to find uh, uh, future clients during this, during this flood thing and, and stay on the top of the mountain. Well, I I, I want to
1: add to that, because somebody might say, well, yeah, but won't you just talked about 10x improvement over the next year, won't it get to a point where um, a company can write a pretty good white paper uh, with with AI, my argument would be this, uh, at least I haven't seen this yet, or see, I don't even see the promise of this happening anytime soon, is the ability to really connect dots. So it seems to be very good at linear thinking, logic, but we all know that a white paper is not just pure logic. There is a hidden emotional, human conscious element uh-huh. there uh-huh. Uh-huh. that um, very, very, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it with the stuff that's come out of chat GPT No, that you're no. really missing. And we've talked about some of this already, but I really want to emphasize that. I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure if we'll get there. Or we'll get there anytime soon, at least with with this technology. You're still going to need the human to connect the dots, to tell the story, um, to provide that element, the nuances that are really going to take this piece to a level that's going to connect with that audience.
0: Uh, I think you're right, and and Chat GPT admitted that much in in the white paper that it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> one of the one of the nine. Uh, Uh, reasons not to uh, use it to write a white paper was because it has trouble identifying with uh, an audience and a a related issue was it has trouble showing cultural sensitivity or uh, great point you know understanding diverse groups of people and you know like I say a a customer base that's uh, maybe somewhere outside of uh, where it was trained in Southern California you know (laughs) like I mean the the, the thing about uh, the thing about all this AI stuff is it's being done by the tech bros in uh, in uh, California and uh, they get over to another part of the world and sometimes it's uh it, it can't it can't cope with what it's it's uh, encountering or being asked you know
1: and when cultural sensitivity is becoming more and more and more important I mean yeah. this yeah. is not going to be able to to catch up to that. Yeah, and um,
0: you don't just take this whole swath and and make it out of bounds. We we don't we don't talk about that. We don't talk about uh, um, what's his name, e- Emo. We don't talk about uh, the guy in the song from the uh, uh, the Disney movie. We don't talk about.
1: Uh, oh, we don't talk about uh, not Nemo. Yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's from- another
0: there's another uh, there's another uh, point for what that applies to both. Um, studies and white papers and probably other formats of b2b is the these ais are trained on public information right or you have an in-company one that you've trained on your your in-company voice maybe that that's going to come and that's fine um but say you're working on some breakthrough product you know where you've done a company's done independent research they've done independent development they've They've taken some science and like really pushed it to the limit. And there's nothing out there, not even one research paper out there, because they're doing this in stealth mode. What is the AI going to know about that? It's going to know squat. Is it going to be able to interview these uh, these egghead scientists? Absolutely not. You know, is it going to be able to get them to, to sit there and type? No, you're going to need a person to interview those uh, those really brainy people and translate what they're saying into normal language that uh, that a customer could understand. So that applies to a lot of the content for new products, right so look for mm-hmm. look for expensive new breakthrough products you know is I think where AI is not going to be able to um, deliver.
1: Well, and one we haven't really talked about directly has been elevating your value to the advisory level. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, we Mm -hmm. talked about it indirectly Mm -hmm. with your done with you idea, but I really believe this is where more and more writers need to move. It's Uh, the, Hey, forget about just the craft of writing. You need to be able to provide advice, insights, perspectives, uh, new ideas, help clients connect the dots, because again, they're too busy, but you're focused, you know, a little bit more and you're looking at it from a different angle. Um, I I see you, so many writers doing when they do do it, they're doing it for free. And I think this is, we need to start looking at that as a, as a, as a revenue center, as yeah. as a way to, yeah. to really move up the value ladder, the value mountain, if we're going to stay with that. Um, and, and AI You're, can't duplicate that.
0: Right, right on it. And that goes right back to the name of my business, that white paper guy. You know, I have a very, um, common name Gordon Graham, and in any city, there's a dozen Gordon Grahams. When I went to set up my website many years ago, GordonGraham.com was already taken. So I was like, Ah, what am I going to have for a name? What am I going to have? And I remembered in my in my B two B companies where I was working, we would always say, um, Oh, we got to we got to get our trade uh, our trade show booth uh, redone this year. Go, call up that trade show guy you you don't remember a person's name so much as what they do or their specialty or their niche but there's only one trade show guy and everybody in the company knows who you're talking about and somebody has this phone number somewhere right so i just said that white paper guy as uh like the guy that knows about white papers and uh you know there's not that many there's not that many formats that everybody can be a guy but uh like for a certain format but maybe you can be um, that writer guy in your industry, in your niche, you know, and there's lots of room for naming yourself and going to market that way. And, um, that is, is kind of fun and memorable. And, uh, you know, I see, I want to go back to this craft thing, because I do see people saying another, another big transition that I, that I think of is the, um, it was before our time, but it was the uh, rise of, of typesetting. And there was the typesetters unions for newspapers. Mm-hmm. And um, they were really skilled craftspeople. I mean, they knew all the dingbats and the names of them and how to space things out by hand, by putting letters into those little wooden uh, wooden boxes, right? Uh, typesetting machines came out where you would have a keyboard and you would press a key and the, the little piece of metal would just fall down. Right where you wanted it to fall. You didn't need those guys to have their hands in the boxes of type. Some few number of the typesetters uh, learned how to use the new systems, but most of them resisted, and the unions resisted, and they became irrelevant. And they were all talking about, but it takes it takes hand quality to really set this type. And we know all you know just what I said. We know all the names of the dingbats, and we know how to space things out, and we've been doing this for a hundred years. So what? So what? They became irrelevant because that skill had been built into a machine, and now there's software that you can use to do all those kind of adjustments. And there's every dingbat in the world, and there's every font in the world, and all of us in offices can do that thanks to to desktop publishing. So when I see writers saying, even uh, even as as lovable as Anne Handley, I mean, I love Anne Handley. I've got all her books. I I follow her. But even she sometimes gets on her soapbox and says, uh, "You know, it's quality. It's the quality of writing." That's that argument doesn't work when you when with a bean counter. It doesn't work with somebody whose budget is being uh, is being challenged, and so and their manager is saying, "Well, why don't you just use AI?" I've talked to people who say, "My manager told me to just get AI to write all our case studies from now on," and I'm trying to push back. But guess where that manager is hearing that from? Their manager, from their manager up and down the corporate ladder, because people are hearing all this noise, and a lot of a lot of uh, company executives, as you say, don't have much time to really grasp stuff. So all they hear is AI hey, can do it all now, you know, AI hey, can do that for you. And there are going to be layoffs. Absolutely, there are going to be layoffs. There's going to be millions of people whose um, whose you know professional jobs go poof. And companies will will maximize what they can get AI to do, and minimize their their headcounts and their payrolls. That's that's business. I mean,
1: well, and especially as we're heading into a difficult economy. I mean, there, we could be facing a recession right now, or you know later this year. So that's only putting more pressure on on us.
0: So yeah, yeah. Well, in a way, though, freelancers can be lucky, right? They can ride that True. out. True. No,
1: I mean, I'm talking about the profession as a whole, right? In terms of oh, cost yeah. cutting.
0: Yeah. It,
1: it, this is yeah. not the the best uh, the best time <laughs> for for this to have come out.
0: Yeah. So we've covered a lot of we've covered a lot of things here, you know. I mean, we I have. Guess, I guess to to sum it up, what I think is uh, AI is fast and it's cheap. It's not that good today, but it's going to get better and better, better very quickly. There's a flood happening. You got to get to higher land and you got to get to that top of the mountain. We've talked about a few ways to do that. Um, I that 20% that was a very useful idea, I think, and that maybe it's that you add that 20%, you do a strategic service and you charge for that service and you become the the go-to guy or gal. For your industry, your niche, your type of document, you become the indisputed uh, leader, maybe in a small handful of leaders, but you become the person they think of, and the last person they would ever lay off. And, you know, I do have something hopeful that we could touch on, you know, like, what I say to my clients is, uh, you know, I'm never going to hand in something straight out of out of AI, I'm always going to um revise it and make it sparkle and there i've got a list of 12 things that writers can do that ai still can't and may never be able to do and we have talked about some of these i don't know if we have time to to run through them uh ed or yeah what? why don't
1: why don't we uh i think that's a good way to close um okay. because it's okay. um it's on a positive note and i think we'll get everyone thinking uh, a little differently
0: okay and we're um we're going to make this available as a as a, a downloadable checklist uh, with a link in your in your show notes, right? Yes, so yes, absolutely. To so a, you
1: should, a, yeah. if you go to the show notes page now, you should see a link to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So these are things that I've learned over the past few months, and in talking to many other writers. I mean, I talk to people all the time about this stuff, and listen to podcasts. So, twelve things writers can do that AI can't, and I'm calling this humanizing. Humanizing your Content. First person. You write as I to create an intimate tone. AI might be able to write as I, but it it, it is not going to sound like a real person. S- Number two, sensory details. Whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction content, try to create scenes. Have colors, smells, sounds, textures. Kind of immerse your reader in a in a concrete scene. That's a really powerful traditional writing technique, not used very much in B2B, but it could be, and it should be. Personal anecdotes. Share your lived experience to show your own personal history, the insights you've learned, make yourself a bit vulnerable. And this is what you can do with your intended reader too. You can can, um, allude to their lived experience, their issues and problems, right? When working in the company. Humor. (laughs) A, <laughs> I just not get jokes or puns. I, I've tried to, I've spent probably more time trying to get ChatGPT to write me a decent joke than anything else, you know, and it's terrible. Um, jokes, puns, witticisms, um, double entendres. It just- That's an art form.
1: Yeah, that's that takes, you end up with a bad dad joke.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was saying with uh about the case studies. I always like to make a pun on the name of the company, you know, and uh, that AI is never going to do that. And parables, sum up a point with a very apt parable that people have heard before uh, that that resonates down through the ages. It could be something from the Bible. It could be something from another piece of wisdom literature. It could be something from a children's uh, story or a fairy tale. Very powerful. AI will never do that. Never do. You can ask it. I've asked it come up with a parable doesn't know what i'm talking about (laughs) um questions this is a powerful one that i always use you know when you when you get to a point ask your imagine what your reader is wondering about anticipate their questions who what why where when how they're going to be asking well how did that happen anyway so then you tell them how it happened right there you don't wait, you don't wait for another page. You answer the, the questions that are arising in a person's mind, a reader's mind. Uh pop culture. Add a line from a, a recent pop song, uh, mention some kind of character or situation from a recent movie. That adds relatability. Mm-hmm. AI has not seen all the latest movies, you know, it does not know all the comic book characters, it does not know the pop stars. And if it knows them, it doesn't know. Why anyone cares about them? You know, it may have heard of Taylor Swift. Can it quote any Taylor Swift? Can it come up with a perfect Taylor Swift title, song title that you could drop in right there in your in your piece? I highly doubt no, it.
1: No, it needs it needs to know context. It won't have that.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things in um in the nine reasons. You know, is, is mm-hmm. context cultural context. It doesn't have a clue. Um, wordplay. Now you may not be able to use this all the time in uh, in B two B, but poetic wordplay can really transport uh, readers. So there's uh, assonance is uh, uh, vowels, sibilance is that sound of of like s, onomatopoeia are is the sound of like the crack of a whip. You know, use use some of that to add some some crackle to your sentences once in a while, and metaphors, you know, metaphors. B2B needs a lot more metaphors. Compare vastly different things to show connections that would never occur to an AI. And if you come up with a powerful metaphor, that's the same as a big idea. Come Mm -hmm. up with a big idea, a really powerful uh, metaphor that will tie your whole piece together. That is powerful. And AI, you know, I've asked it. I've asked it. It's a right
1: brain function. This is not a right. This tool does not, technology does not have a right brain.
0: Yep. 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 And uh rhetoric, you know, learn and and mind some of the timeless rhetorical mm. devices, you know, for very memorable phrasing. So th- th- think of Shakespeare, uh Macbeth, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. No way I would ever write that in a million <laughs> years. Unless you ask it, you know, write me a sonnet in the style of Macbeth. But you're writing B2B, uh, you're prompting B2B content. It will never write that. But I just have so much fun uh just re- reading about rhetoric, you know, we don't, t- they don't teach it in schools anymore. And it used to be one of the cornerstones of a, of a liberal education for, for thousands not even, of years.
1: Not even in many liberal arts colleges, nope. just nope. amazing to me. Yeah.
0: And yet what is more, what is more about using words than rhetoric? Rhetoric is about how to use words to uh, influence your audience. Well, what is content marketing? What is copywriting? If not that, um, literature, sort of on the same uh, lines. Uh, AI has scanned many, many, many books, but it doesn't know how to draw on them. So use, an, use some kind of epigram that a, that a well-known author uh, said, you know. Call up some kind of fable, a god or a goddess, a myth, a timeless story from antiquity. And that will add some kind of depth or resonance to your uh, to your piece that AI would it would never do that even if you ask it. The current state is it doesn't know what you're talking about, and and it will confidently give you some pap that that <laughs> it doesn't answer your question right. And here's the final one. Here's the final one. Now, these may be hard to work in, but I think that this is the supremo one here, number twelve: compassion, curiosity. Hmm empathy forgiveness these are supremely human virtues you know that will make any story richer and less predictable you want your content you want your writing not to be predictable so if you're if you're talking about some terrible problem and suddenly your your uh, reader has an insight about how it's not as bad as they thought it was or they could look at it a different way or they could just be a little curious and find out about this one thing, or they could, they could forgive the person that caused the problem. <laughs> you know, like, use yes. supremely human emotions, and and try to work those in. See, this is this is new. Like I've never said that before. That B two B writers should do that. This is fiction writing, right? But we should use some of the techniques of fiction writing to make our, our writing our content writing more human and more resident and that's well, that's
1: in an uh, age where there, we're going to be flooded with more and more of this ai powered content this is where we need to go to stand out so i would argue that if you haven't used some of these techniques now is the time to start and i'll say this gordon what you just shared with us r- reminds me so much of the pivotal scene in the movie Goodwill Hunting. It's so powerful when Matt Damon, Robin Williams are seated at the park and he can't get through to this kid. And if you haven't, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly the scene I'm talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. if not, this is a wonderful movie. Everyone should watch this. So Robin Williams is a therapist. Matt Damon is this kid who's absolutely brilliant. He's a genius, and he's read every book. He knows all the facts, he knows all this information right but this is left brain this is just facts and figures and uh in and trivia and robin williams can't get to him just can't get through to him and um he he tells him at the park he says i i've i spent all night last night thinking about all the hurtful things you've said to me and why i can't get through to you and i'm paraphrasing but he says something to the effect of and it finally hit me You may know all these things. You may be able to quote this, that. You may be able to do these complex math problems. But here's what you don't know. You haven't lived these things. You haven't lived these situations. You haven't been through this pain. You haven't experienced this joy, you know, and um, I feel sorry for you because that's what you're missing. That's the humanity of it all. And it's such a, I mean, to me, where we are right now, that is the scene. That movie scene, I feel, describes where we are right now. And that gives me reassurance that, hey, there, there is hope. We are dealing with this. We got a big Matt Damon out there right now mm. who's threatening everybody where it feels that way. But we need to remember that at the end of the day, um, Matt Damon hasn't lived these things, hasn't had these experiences. And that's where we come in. And that's where we could really um, add humanity uh, and truth to to the work.
0: Right on, Ed. Right on. That is a beautiful and true and uh, probably a great way for us to close out today. Yes.
1: This has been fascinating uh gordon and i'm i know we've been talking about doing this for a while so i'm glad i'm glad we we finally had the conversation i suspect i'm gonna be i'm gonna be coming back to you and see if we can uh do a recap or revisit this later on this year if you're if you're game for that
0: well uh, the water line will be higher at that point but I, <laughs> I i think the advice we came up with is really true is and will be uh Will be kind of evergreen advice, right?
1: Yes, yes. So thank you again for for spending uh, some of your day with with us. I appreciate you as always. And um, guys, we'll have the links here in the show notes. So check out Gordon stuff. And and where can where can folks learn more about you and your work? Uh, subscribe to your newsletter, which is wonderful.
0: Oh, great, great. Well, it's um, thatwhitepaperGuy.com. And if you uh, search on that whitepaperguy.com, if you search for can chat GPT write a white paper, or if you just search for chat GPT, it'll come up where you can download that, uh, that white paper that I did. And and then our, our 12 things writers can do to humanize their content. That'll be a download on, uh, on the uh, podcast uh, uh, show notes. So, you know, th- thank you, Ed. You have uh, made me feel a lot better about this. You know, it's, uh, we we may be facing a flood, but I think we've got some, we've got some really practical things to do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing them.
1: There you go. It's all we can do. Day, day yeah. to day, day to yeah. day. Um, Gordon, thanks again. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Yeah, Ed, that, that was great. We always come up with, you can cut this part off, but I, I feel like we're, we we feel our way through and we come up with some great some great ideas together you know it's not like i start off with like all this uh, you know knowledge to impart i feel like we're we have a really true conversation so that was that was great
1: we do we're just in here having coffee <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and just a quick reminder to grab your free copy of my latest book, "Earn More in Less Time, The Proven Mindset, Strategies and Actions to Prosper as a Freelance Writer. You can get your free copy at b2blauncher.com or you will also find the detailed show notes to this and all my other episodes. Enjoy and have a great day.